just when you thought that whole Reedy Creek thing was over? Well, turns out it wasn't. The back and forth between the Walt Disney Company and the state of Florida, today on the Adult Meets Disney podcast. Stay tuned. Hey everybody and welcome to the Adult Meets Disney Podcast. I'm your host Tom and I want to thank you for joining me for another week. First things first, we're back. We were away for a little bit. First uh, first up, I had to travel for work, so I was gone for about two weeks with that. And then we actually just got back from a trip down to Walt Disney World. And we have plenty of content to bring you. Things like the experience of riding Tron to the Flower and Garden Festival and so much more. So we have a ton of stuff coming in the pipeline. Also, we ran into a lot of tech issues. My computer updated itself. It didn't work with my mic. And we think we have finally figured everything out. So that explains why we were gone. Hopefully, though, you were following along with us on Twitter, at Podcast. We've been commenting on a lot of things. We've been posting a lot of things. To those who have liked and retweeted what we're throwing out there, thank you. We appreciate it. And hopefully, if you are not following us on Twitter, you join us so we can see everything that we're up to. But with all that said, I did want to talk about all of this complete mess that's going on with Florida and and Disney. It's, this is, between this and and finding out who the new CEO is going to be, this is the soap opera of soap operas. It really is. So to catch everybody up, first thing, got to lay a little bit of background so we know what's going on. The Reedy Creek Improvement District, what was it? Well, Back in the 1960s, this was a deal that Walt Disney struck with the state of Florida to help create what is now Walt Disney World. It was a special tax district, which there's a lot of these in the state of Florida. And under this special tax district, Disney was allowed to pretty much make their own specs. So this is why when you go onto Walt Disney World property, everything looks pristine, clean, organized, neat, tidy. All the roads are maintained well. That's because of what was Reedy Creek. They built this because in Anaheim, Walt had no control over what happened literally across the street from Disneyland. And he was seeing things like, you know, hotels and fast food restaurants and all this stuff getting put in. And he didn't want that. So he wanted a control over a large swath of land, which is how this happened. And mind you, this is back in the 60s when Central Florida wasn't really much of anything. There was just a lot of swamp there. So because of this, it's it acts almost like the genesis for the development of Central Florida into legitimately the tourist capital of the world. Now, Reedy Creek controlled, the board controlled the land on which Walt Disney World is built. So this board, it's like a board of any organization, they oversaw things like zoning permits, They took care of infrastructure, like taking care of the roads, the bridges, waterways, sewage, trash disposal, fire safety, and they could also issue municipal bonds. Now, the board of Reedy Creek was elected by the landholders inside the district, which was Disney. They were the only landholder. So in all reality, Disney controls the board of Reedy Creek. Now, it is to be noted that Reedy Creek and Disney were two individual separate entities. They are not one and the same. That's important to keep in mind as we go forward. 
This also meant a few things from a monetary standpoint. Disney did not have to pay for certain impact fees or certain taxes in the local area, but conversely, the local residents and Florida taxpayers did not have to pay for the upkeep of the infrastructure within the bounds of Reedy Creek. So all those roads and all those bridges and the lawn maintenance and the waterways, Florida taxpayers did not have to pay a penny for any of that. So that was what Reedy Creek was. All right, last March, so March of 2022, Florida passes what's called the Parental Rights and Education Bill, which caused some folks at Disney uh, to stage several protests. Now, at this time, Disney was still under Chapek, and he was initially silent on the matter, but then under pressure from some employees, makes an about-face and indicated that Disney would withdraw political contributions to those who supported that bill and would work to see it get overturned. Well, that caused the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, to take steps to have the legislature in Florida pass a measure to dissolve Reedy Creek, so like, get rid of it, claiming it was not fair for Disney to have the rights given to them within Reedy Creek because it did not comply with the current Florida regulations, and they were rights and perks that were not afforded to their competition, so places like Universal or SeaWorld. Okay, so that's that was the background. Then in the last two weeks, complete chaos ensues. The Florida House, so Florida has the House and Senate just like the U.S. You know, federal government does. So the, the Florida House passes a measure in early February to dissolve Reedy Creek. Under that measure, Reedy Creek would remain intact in name only, realistically. The, the name would change to the Central Florida Tourism Oversight Board, and its members of this board would be appointed by the governor rather than elected by the landholders. Remember, the only landholder was Disney, and that was basically it. The district would remain intact, they, the board would oversee all the things the board was overseeing, and as far as I could tell, like, that was it. However. Prior to that measure getting passed, the board of Reedy Creek entered into a development agreement with Disney, wherein the board of Reedy Creek passes all power to Disney for the district, minus things like maintaining basic infrastructure. So that means that everything that the board could do, things like zoning, things like how high they could build buildings, things like when they could build, what they could build, how they could build, Disney now has control over all of it. All of it. And there was an initial meeting for this held in January, followed by a follow-up in February that was two days prior to when the Florida House voted on the measure to dissolve Reedy Creek. So this development agreement gets put into effect before the vote happens in the House. So this, this law does not exist at this point. Both of those meetings were publicly announced, and they were open to the public. And according to Disney, all of this complied with Florida law. They have a sunshine law, meaning like everything has to be out in the open. So they were saying, hey, we advertise this. You, you, did, we, you could have come, but you didn't. The agreement that they struck, and this is, this is the part many of you probably have heard about, the agreement says that it will, be, it will remain in effect for 21 years 
after the death of the longest living descendant of King Charles III, who's the current King of England. And they do this because in Florida, you cannot have a law that exists forever. So you can't just be like, this is the law, period, done. It's known as a rule against perpetuity. So they had to come up with somebody alive right now and put a time frame on it. So they come up with the longest or the, the, the longest living descendant of the King of England, who is, I think it's Harry and Meghan's daughter, uh, is, is who that person is right now. So this is all done without DeSantis or the state knowing about it, even though, according to Disney, it was all out in the open. It was all compliant with the Sunshine Law. DeSantis and company just didn't pay attention. So, the agreement is discovered by the DeSantis Board of Reedy Creek, now known as the Central Florida Tourism Oversight Board. They find this at their first meeting. And by their own admission, it basically makes them powerless to do anything other than maintain basic infrastructure. In response to that, DeSantis comes out and says that he officially has requested the Florida Attorney General to look for any potential criminal issues on behalf of either the Reedy Creek Board or Disney to see if they did anything that violated Florida law by doing what they did. The board, as I will now call them the DeSantis Board, also admitted that they're bringing in high-powered legal counsel to presumptively go into a court battle over those agreements that were signed between the old Reedy Creek Board and Disney. Fast forward then to the Disney shareholder meeting from the other week. Bob Iger is questioned about that agreement and what Florida's doing in response to it. He notes on this meeting that's that's open to everybody, he notes the decision to move against Disney in his opinion, was retribution for exercising freedom of speech and that punishing Disney for expressing itself and doing all these things to Reedy Creek was not just anti-business, but anti-Florida. He then went on to say that Disney is planning to invest $17 billion into Walt Disney World over the next decade, bringing an anticipated 13,000 jobs and countless indirect jobs, so 13,000 jobs associated with Disney, and several indirect jobs. So you're thinking things like more people to work in restaurants, and more people to work in healthcare, and more people to work in this, because you're going to have 13,000 new people coming around, so all the jobs because of that. That's an indirect job. All of that coming to the state. In response to that, somehow we keep going with this. In response to that, DeSantis when asked about his thoughts during a recent public appearance, noted that Disney is a, in his words, joke, and no matter what, Florida will win against, as he put it, a woke company, and indicated that the legislature can do things like put tolls on all of the roads leading to Disney World and increase taxes on Walt Disney World hotels. Let's all take a breath. Whew, that's a lot. That is a lot to get through. What does this all mean? First things first. I am not a lawyer. I did not go to law school. I watched a lot of Law and Order, but that does not make me an attorney. I'm not going to pretend to be one. So everything I'm going to say here, I'm saying as a 
stereotypical millennial Disney adult, and, albeit somebody who does not live in the state of Florida, a taxpayer. That's how I'm going to look at this. I'm looking at this as a Disney adult, yes, but also as a straight-up taxpayer. That's how I'm looking at this. There are also, and I'm just going to put this out there because I saw it and it just kind of got under my skin. There are people out there in the ether who magically, and I mean magically, overnight hearing this, not only went to law school, but became experts in Florida property law. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And I, I mean, look, we're an opinion show here, and 99.9% of all other entertainment things are all opinion shows. But to, to sit there and, and think that hearing something for the first time and, and with no appreciable legal training, you, you've, solved the, you've solved the case in a matter of seconds against lawyers who work for Disney or work for the state is just short-sighted. We'll put it that way. So, okay, enough ranting. Thoughts on this? There is zero question that this move by DeSantis was ever about fair play. If this was actually about fair play, this would have been addressed years ago. Years ago. That said, should Disney have to play by the same rules as everyone else? Yeah, of course they should. No company should get special treatment. That's not fair. If Reedy Creek needed to be updated to comply with current Florida standards and Florida regulations, that should have happened years ago. It absolutely should have. That said, the move here was always clearly now about politics and content. That was it. It is becoming more and more obvious that Ron DeSantis wants to run for president. And this was a great way to kind of stir that culture war pot and gain favor from the base so he can do well in the Republican primary. That is clearly what he's trying to do, because I'm willing to bet that he got a ton of money in contributions because of this. And there's a lot of people out there that recognize his name because of this. So it is a politically savvy move to do. I mean, the gall of somebody to take on a company like Disney, you're going to be known for that. It was also about the fact that Disney said something he did not like, and probably because they pulled funding from him and his colleagues. That probably has to be about it. It was also, my opinion, a pull for him to have say over Disney's content. I mean, think about this. The board was appointed by Ron DeSantis. And some people on it, allegedly, have said things in the past that would be considered wildly offensive to some folks out there. It would have been very easy for DeSantis to control that board, just being like, hey, do this. I mean, there were clearly all of his buddies, so why not? So, let's have a, a theoretical exercise. Let's say that Disney was going to put something in the park that Ron DeSantis did not like or did not approve of. What's not to say that he could have had that board 
stall Disney on things like zoning or prohibited them from doing something they wanted to do with infrastructure unless and until that piece of content was removed. Or one better, what if Disney makes a film that DeSantis does not approve of and restricts it from coming into Florida, says there's no way we're going to let this in Florida, because if it is let in Florida, that board, we're going to stall Disney Disney Park. We're going to hold up Disney World stuff. And he could say, then he could go out and march around and say that he kept, as he likes to put it, that he kept woke from invading Florida. I mean, if you listen to Ron DeSantis' inauguration speech from a couple months back, he says anti-woke, anti-woke like it's, like, like that's, that's like his catchphrase at this point. So it's by his own admission that that is what he strives to do. That is his major platform. Furthermore, by the sounds of the DeSantis board themselves, again, this is just an opinion, it sounds like they had an intention of doing things beyond zoning and infrastructure by their own admission. Since they said they're powerless, minus the ability to maintain basic infrastructure, like, what did you think you were going to do here? To me, it sounds like you thought you were going to either be an Imagineer or you were going to have control over the parks themselves to ensure that woke did not come in, or whatever it is that you think would come in. Again, I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm not sick. I could be completely wrong. But when you say, as a board that oversees land management, that the only thing you can do is oversee the land, what did you think you were going to do here? It also reads like Iger is setting the stage for a potential court battle either over the agreements themselves or over freedom of speech. And there have been so many opinions about this. Some people say that the uh, DeSantis board should just outright ignore the agreements and be like, you don't like it, Disney? Well, sue us. Others say that the courts will ultimately side with the state Void the agreements because they were made in bad faith, didn't comply with regulations, legal stuff. Some will say that the legislature themselves will just outright pass a law that voids the agreements. I don't even know if that's possible, but some people say it could happen. Some say that because during the shareholder meeting, Iger came out and said, this is punishment for Disney exercising freedom of speech, that that now intertwines Reedy Creek and Disney. And because of that, that Disney should now be open for potential lawsuits like fraud and all of that. Again, this is what some people out there are saying, that that might happen. Some people are saying Disney completely complied with the law and DeSantis has his hands tied and any move on his part would be perceived as being petty or, based on how it looks, pettier. Again, I'm not an attorney, and I don't know how many folks out there are that comment on this stuff. I think the thing we can say is that nobody knows what is going to happen, or at least nobody knows the extent to which something will happen. Because something is going to happen. This is something that is not going to go away anytime soon. This is just a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and who knows where this thing is going to end.
As for this whole putting the tolls on the roads and taxing the hotels, I, we're not a political show. Like, we're, we're not going to get involved with, with politics. But to say you're going to increase taxes on your own people is completely out of this world. Why would you say that? I mean, also, do you honestly think that for what Disney charges and we all still go, that if you were to throw a toll on the road, that we wouldn't not keep going? We would, of course, keep going. Also, if you're going to do that, why would target a single company and not make it the same across the board? If this whole thing was allegedly about fair play, which I'm in agreement with, it all, everybody should be on the same playing field, then why are you targeting one company? Shouldn't you put tolls on all of the roads? Shouldn't you increase taxes on all of the hotels? Why just one? I'm curious, though, how does this ultimately save the taxpayer money? Because that was the whole thing. We're not going to increase money on the taxpayers. This is going to be, you know, this is going to help the taxpayers. So you're threatening to increase taxes and toll the roads as well as using taxpayer money to hire the law firms to examine those agreements, which I'm sure will charge an arm and a leg per hour. So how is that saving money? And lastly, well, yes, I will say it again. Disney should be held to the current standards. They should be held to the same regulations, the rules that everybody else has to follow. That is fair. Everybody should have to play by the same set of rules. But this is how, as a state, they're deciding to utilize their, their taxpayer money. Like, there, there are people in Florida who are homeless. There are people who cannot afford the basics in life. There are seniors who are right now, right now, having to choose between do I buy food or do I buy medicine? this month. All the while, all the while, there are these companies that are just making record profit, record profit off of the backs of the people of Florida. And your answer is to go after Disney because they are, in your own words, woke. How does that, how does that help those people who are choosing between food and medicine? That's at the end of the day, that's just complaining. That's all it is. Sure, you can have a stance on, on where, where things are culturally, but there are things out there that are like, there are clearly bigger fish to fry. Now, and I'm not taking the side of Disney here. I've, I've made it very clear. Disney needs to be held to the same standard. Treat them fairly like everybody else is treated. That's the right thing to do. I'm more of looking at this as the average person. Remember I said from the outset, as a taxpayer. I'm looking at this as the average person who's looking at their bank account and their bills, wondering how to make ends meet. And I can promise the root cause of that is not because of the content in Lightyear. Because at the end of the day, the content in a program isn't going to make a lick of difference at all. The actual needs of a typical family, inflation, Jobs, wages, that's the kind of stuff that impacts it. 
not, oh my gosh, there's a character to park that I disagree with. That, that, that will literally not make an ounce of difference when somebody has to choose between, do I feed my kids or do I take the medicine that keeps me alive? That's the stuff that blows my mind. There are so many other things that you could be using your political capital to do. And this is the fight you're picking. Well done. So, this is where we're at with this ongoing, and I mean, it's now going to turn into a giant fight. Of course it's going to be. Between Disney and DeSantis. This thing's not going away anytime soon. And it's sadly only going to escalate more and more until eventually either one, this thing ends up in either the Florida or U.S. Supreme Court, or two, the political winds change. You know, I believe the rule in Florida is if that uh, Ron DeSantis runs for president, he has to resign his position as governor. And maybe Disney's just hoping to run out the clock. And, you know, the political winds will change and there will be a different thing and this all kind of just goes away. Who knows? We're just going to have to <laughs> just wait and find out. But grab your popcorn. This one's going to be this one's going to be a big one. All right. So that's everything for today. Like I said, though, when we started during our time away, we did get down to Disney World and we experienced a lot of new things. We were able to ride Tron twice. We found uh, not found, but we were able to stay at two new resorts that neither of us have stayed at before. So we'll have a full discussion about them. Uh, they were Fort Wilderness, the cabins at Fort Wilderness and Saratoga Springs. We could certainly talk about that. And the Flower and Garden Festival at Epcot. We were able to get around and check out some of the new booths, some of the returning favorites. Of course, talk about that Violet Lemonade and so much more. So we have a lot of things coming up over our next few episodes. So do like and subscribe to the Adult Meets Disney podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast. And do tell a friend to do the same. Until next time, everyone, I hope you have a magical day.